You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited to talk with Charles Thibault today about demand side versus supply side analytics. Charles, welcome to the show. Yeah, sure. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for joining us. I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us about how you got to where you are today, please. Sure. Charles Thibault, uh, VP Analytics at IDT, uh, primarily a communications and financial services company. We help immigrants uh, share resources all, all around the world. Uh, how I got here, uh, interesting question. I think I've always been, you know, very numerical, uh, data-driven. Even in college, I knew I would kind of do um, a, a job like this. So I've always kind of been in the data space. Before working at IDT, I worked for a data-as-a-service company called Wanted, and it was eventually bought by Gartner, where we kind of sold data, uh, labor market data, through an online uh, platform um, and custom data feeds. And then I went on to IDT as director of customer analytics, uh, army of one, and then over time built information and data products and services and continued to, to grow my team. Um, if you build a product and people like it, they want more. And then it became a question of, well, if you want this thing updated or you want us to uh, deliver it more frequently, we need more people to support it. And as we delivered more and more value, uh, we were able to get more and more uh, resources and headcount to deliver uh, more information products to the business. I, I want to triple dive into the word value and data a little bit later in the podcast, but let's start with the topic. You chose demand side versus supply side analytics. I'd love for you to just define the topic and give us a little bit of insight into why you chose this topic. And let's start the discussion there. Yeah, that's, it's really about partnership with business people and the way that I framed, you know, that I frame uh, delivering value to the business. I was kind of put in my place by a VP one time. So we sat in his office and he said, hey, Charles, you're an economist. Think of it like this, there's supply and demand. And you keep coming up with all this supply that no one wants to buy. And I keep telling you, this is the demand I have and you keep not meeting it. And and it really got me to thinking, okay, you know, what is it that people really want, right? As data scientists, you know, you read all these articles and you have all these ideas and you kind of look at what other people are doing. That's what we should be doing when really your number one job um, in any business is what what do people want? How do I meet other people's needs? Not so much what are the ideas that I can come up with? Um, And of course you do have to do that. There's a there's a balance, but really I would urge 
all of the listeners to think about it like this. Um, if you're an analytics manager and you're selling a product, what's your, what's your business plan, right? So if I'm your boss and I'm saying, great, you know, you're in an analytics department, you're selling this thing. What's the product that you're selling? What's your target market? Who are the users? Who are your competitors? And people say that that's kind of crazy. What do you mean competitors for an analytics product? Well, you have Microsoft Excel as a competitor, maybe to Tableau or Looker. You have existing business processes that will compete maybe against innovation that you want to bring. Maybe people are in the way of using data to make decisions. Um, how, how much is someone willing to pay for this thing? How much are you gonna charge? What's your go-to-market strategy? How are you going to acquire customers? How are you gonna retain those customers once you get them? So you can say, I wanna deploy Tableau. That's great, but how do you actually capture customers, have them use the product, you know, this word for engagement. What are your KPIs for success? So if, if you're really um, thinking about analytics as a product, not just as a function, you have to think about all of those things. So I love where you're going with this. And I also know having interacted with a bunch of execs and non-execs, that they almost always look at the analytics function as just a reporting mechanism. As in, Charles, give me this report, or Charles, give me that data, or Charles, like, how do you, as an executive, then create that culture where the information that you're seeking from the other side of this, or the way that you would like to work on analytics as a product actually gets built? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the way to do it in the kind of actionable thing is to really go around the business, talk to the VPs and ask them, what are your goals this year? And you, and you say, hey, I want to understand what direction you're going. And the, the Venn diagram might not overlap, but there's maybe a couple places we can work together and usually guarantee that during that conversation, someone will say, hey, actually, this is something you can help me with. And it's either going to be computational complexity, the data the data's too big, it's more than a million rows, it has to be some kind of simulation experiment or some kind of, or some kind of business problem. And usually it won't be something that you can think of um, yourself. And, and the good part of that is they are the business partners that will help deploy whatever solution that you build because they're the people that have skin in the game to make sure they can make more money with whatever it is that you provide. So um, it, to your question about executives and, and kind of the, the low level um, requests, you know, as an, analytics department, you, you kind of have to deliver value across the spectrum. So what does that mean? Hey, can you get me the list of customers that did this, but didn't do that, right? That's kind of a basic thing. Hey, can you provide me this report? But as you move up the value chain, which is, you know, answering questions, what if we increase the price? What if we decrease the price? Um, producing predictive models, and then kind of the 
the end and data science applications. You have to understand it's like a restaurant, right? You're serving coffee, tea, appetizers, mains, desserts. As a shop, you have to be able to, to deliver um, across that, that value chain. And those small questions aren't necessarily bad. They're just part of what, just part of what you have to serve into the market. That's okay. And so as I think of this, and if I am an executive and I want to create this competency in my business, right? Like, can you share a little bit about how your team is structured? Like what type of skill sets do you have in the team and how they work together to be able to take both these ad hoc requests, but also to work on these business problems, as you said? Sure, and that'll be context dependent. Um, the, the question we always ask is, do you want like a Marine? So a Marine is, is highly trained across multiple disciplines. They can do many things. They're, they're kind of good at everything, but might, might not be good at any one thing or do you need a portfolio of people like a data engineer, a data scientist, an analyst? Um, and the analyst is a little bit different than a data scientist. The analyst is able to frame the, the business question and kind of tune those business parameters differently than, than a data scientist. So, so in the beginning, if you have a very small team, you're probably going to want generalists, you're probably going to want people that are strong um, across the board. And then as you get bigger and your projects become more complex and you want to maybe build small pods, kind of full stack, agile, then you might want to say, okay, now I need kind of a real data scientist. I need a real data engineer. And I need kind of the analyst who's going to manage the business part of the problem and the functional requirements of this little data science widget. So it'll change over time. So there's no one answer. It really depends on where you are in evolution and, and what kind of budget you have and um, where you sit in the org chart, right? So um, if you sit in technology, you might be a little bit different than if you're a central analytics group or if you sit in marketing, for example. Thanks for sharing that. And I guess I'm curious about the analytics leader's journey, right? And thank you for being transparent in this podcast because you shared like like somebody uh, who really thought of you well, paused you and said, hey, you need to look at it, things a little bit differently, right? But as you, as you said that, I'm just thinking like a sales leader's journey is pretty straightforward and they are re re responsible for the, the revenue generation for a company, right? And uh, and I'm I'm just thinking like like if what does the analytics leader's journey look like, right? Because you have uh, people that become VPs of uh, analytics who maybe go become chief analytics officers or maybe chief data officers, uh, you know, like like as you think about it and as you're on your own journey, like what does the analytics leader's journey look like? Great, great question. Um, there's a great Harvard Business Review article discussing uh, leadership versus management. 
And one of the key distinctions that they said is, you know, leadership is about bringing change and management is about reproducible results. And they said that there's, there's nothing wrong with either and people kind of overweight leadership and maybe underweight this, this management capacity, which is a manager needs to run the shop and make sure you're delivering constant, consistent value. Whereas the leader's job is, is to change change the landscape. And so you kind of have to do both. Um, you kind of have to be able to, to be a good manager, which is to deliver uh, quickly, right? Someone sends you a question, a report, um, whatever it is, it's not, it's not like, I'll get back to you in two weeks, right? You have to be able to, to deliver uh, consistent value kind of in a management framework in a consistent and reproducible fashion. From a leadership perspective, it's, it's new tools, um, new problems that you're addressing, new metrics, uh, new insights, new problems, really. So you kind of have to look at it from a, from a holistic perspective, both in terms of um, the clients that you serve, whether it's marketing, sales, finance, and application, um, different you know, for us, it's really expanding our, our portfolio and scope of influence across the organization, right? So we started working with marketing and then all of a sudden I said, you know, and it's funny, like I kind of felt bad. This is kind of a supply side um, example. Like I said, I'm going to do these forecasts for these products. And, and I felt silly. I was like, this is a giant company. I'm sure they have forecasts. And then the finance department was like, this is great. We don't have these forecasts. And now I'm responsible for doing corporate <laughs> level forecasts, right? So my forecasts. And, and so your portfolio has to be kind of like one third supply and two thirds demand. And on the one third supply side, your success rate is going to be 50-50. And, and even if you're batting for 500 on the supply side, you're doing great. Usually if a third of what you bring to the table is successful, um, you're, you're doing really well. I've kind of sidetracked a little bit. So um, okay. then you find a different VP, VP of sales, and you work on this project, then you work on the next project. And all of a sudden now you have four or five internal clients. And with each internal client, you have three or four um, projects that you're continually iterating on. And, and that's how you kind of grow, right? You grow in the scope and scale and impact um, of what you're so, of what you're able to do. So, if I may ask you, from your own own journey outside of the demand side versus supply side analytics porch piece, what are some of the things that analytics leaders should watch out for in their evolution at a company? That's a good question. Um, I think one of the things that I that I tell our interns is, you know, what's your brand? Like that's the one thing that you have to be very mindful of, because you don't want your brand to be associated with um, the early part of your evolution either, right? So we don't we don't think of Netflix as a DVD shipping company. Yep. Right. And so um, you really have to think about your brand 
right? Are you a data geek? Are you a problem solver? Are you going to be heavier on the engineering side? And whatever it is that you choose, it, it's it's okay. I mean, IDT, um, we have kind of a two-headed monster. We have a data engineering team and an analytics department. And the way that we've segmented the market like internally in terms of the users is, is that the data engineering team has a solution for the masses, right? We have like finance people, 200 salespeople, you know, 80 wholesale account managers. They need all sorts of reports. Um, we deal mostly with the VIPs, right? VP, VP level folks. So I'm constrained a little bit in terms of data engineering. Like that, that's not part of my responsibilities. I would love to be able to, to do that. Um, at the same time, I get to work on the cool business problems. So I think you just have to really be mindful of, of what you want your brand to be and continue to focus um, to focus on that. Okay. Superb. And, you know, our listeners are global. They, we have a, a contingent out of APAC, contingent of EMEA that actually wants to learn about these things, right? And, and I almost always tell people that before you go do something, just try it out because leadership may actually not be the path for you, but you could always get paid like a, a VP if you wanted that too, right? So just be conscious like the decision you're making, right? And so so, so to, to me, like an, an analytics leaders, at least from my experience, um, <clears throat> it, at some point in time becomes a thankless job, you know, because you're always trying to figure out the best insight that you can share with executives so that they can move the business forward. But then you're also dependent on the best available data that you can, you can use. And so in the middle is you, right? And so mm -hmm. how does, how do those, how do leaders that want to be, or future leaders that want to be on this path, like mentally prepare themselves for that type of an environment or that type of a dynamic? Um, I actually don't think the, the clients or the problems are, are the executives. I think that the right framework is really to think about who are the people um, that you're going to work with. And so one of the, I guess, the guests that I'll, I'll recommend for future podcasts, I was listening to his podcast and he said, you know, the, the way to be successful in analytics is just find the people that want to dance with you. Right. And so in, in terms of like, maybe I'm not answering quite your question, but you know, how do you, how do you start or how do you think about it? Yep. You know, you just have to find, the one business partner that has one problem and one metric. And trust me that that, you know, once you found that you'll have six to nine months of work ahead of you. And if you're successful, all of a sudden now that will become almost a full-time job. So what, is, so what does that mean? Marketing manager might say, I need help cross-selling or I don't have a cross-selling model. I need help upselling. I have these retailers and I don't understand um, how to manage the inventory correctly. Like someone somewhere will have a very specific problem. Um, and so 
again, the, the key is if you're selling, if you're selling products, you know, there are stories of people who come up with great new products and you know, um, Steve Jobs, you know, if you ask people what they wanted, you never invent the iPhone, but that's usually not how, how products are created, right? You have to go out there and really understand what are the unsolved problems and try to attack that. It's just, it's just like any other product. It's, it sounds like the, the analytics leader's journey is a very courageous one, <laughs> you know, because most of the times you're walking into something that you're, you just are not going to be able to see through. And then you have to figure out, at least here's what I've learned from other analytics leaders is you have to really pause yourself and think about, is this the right problem to solve? And is this the right problem to solve right now? And, well, and both questions are important. And it's also, does someone else want to solve it? Right. And so I can give you an example of a demand driven, uh, sorry, supply driven, you know, we have salespeople and, and, and I was trying to implement a solution where we could kind of track um, our salespeople a little bit better where they were going and physically speaking, they're the kind of field, field reps. And if it's not a problem that another commercial manager wants to solve, it's, it's not going to get deployed, right? Because you're, you're only one third of the equation. Um, the, the other business managers, one third, and then whatever it is that you're trying to impact, whether it's, you know, again, inventory, salesperson, a customer, whatever is, is the other third. Um, and so what I'm trying to say is as an, as an analytics leader, as a leader, you also don't want to go to war in a battle that you know you're going to lose, right? And so if you go to war and you don't have allies, um, you're going to lose that war and you're going to waste a lot of time. Yeah. So, so that's, that's part of it, part of it too. But instituting change requires, people say executive support, and, and I don't believe that. It requires support from the middle. The executives, like if, if you go to a COO, and there are three VPs that go to the COO and you say, you know, this is the plan. This is the problem that we have. This is the solution that we want to implement. This is how much it's going to cost either of, of you know, developer time or external resources or whatever it is. And he's going to look at you guys and say, you all three agree. This is the plan of action. Yes, we all agree. This he's going to say, great, go for it. Right. If you think that you need to go to executives, the level above to coerce or exert leverage on other parts of the organization, um, that's not a sustainable, it'll work for six months. And then the people that you've leveraged against will work on whatever it is that they, they want to work on. Good advice. Now, as we are coming to close this part of the podcast, Right. Or is there any advice or good counsel that you would like to share future or even current analytics leaders from your experience? Don't get discouraged. I think, I mean, I give maybe an anecdote of, of supply side, you know, I was a year, year and a half into my role and, you know, taking the data from all these databases and, um, you know, new customer acquisition, 
customer churn, customer lifetime value, all these cool metrics that we've discovered. And I went to the pricing manager and I said, hey, man, you know, we've been working really hard the last six months, got all these cool metrics to help you. And he looked at me and he said, no, I'm cool. I got all the reports that I need. And he was just managing stuff from an Excel spreadsheet. And I was like, don't you want to know how many customers you're acquiring or how many are churning? He's like, no, I just look at how much stuff we sold, you know, week over week. And if we're growing, I'm cool. And if we're declining, I kind of changed the price and I'm okay. Right. And, and so my competition was really his neural network, right? He, he yep. did an Excel spreadsheet. And so again, the advice is don't get discouraged and, and shop around that solution. Other people were like, wow, this is great. You know, the marketing people loved it. And they were like, can I have it by, you know, this market segment and broken down like this and chopped up like that. And then we had to kind of go back to square run and redesign the queries. But I, again, the advice is go around the business, talk to people, inform yourself of what their objectives are for the year and and hitch your wagon to that horse uh you'll go much further that's really solid advice it sounds super simple but so many times people forget just to do that and and all all will be well great let's move to the fun part of the podcast a little bit charles sure i thought this was fun well, I mean, how about the funner part? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a. I look at I look at the the first part of the podcast is a little bit more educational, you know, and uh, the second part a little bit more fun, though. Uh, or at least that's how what I've been told. Uh, but we always ask people if they would recommend two other people to they believe and, and uh, are great at go-to-market or data or anything to do with go-to-market and or data um, that we should bring on to the podcast. And the reason is because we did not have a plan for this podcast. Every guest that comes onto the show mm-hmm. is take, leaves a part of themselves on the show and actually carves out like where the show is headed. And, mm. uh, uh, and we've had some amazing people uh, uh, on the show by virtue of that. And so we'd like to do the same thing for you and, and ask you who would be two people who you respect in the industry that we should bring out to the show as a guest and why? Um, sure. I think one um, would be this guy called Mark Stangy, if I pronounce his name correctly. I think he's, he's on the podcast circuit as well. Um, I've, I've gained some insight from him. And most recently, we just did a 12-week boot camp uh, with a company called Galvanize. And certainly, um, our instructor, Child Medford, uh, might have some good insights on how you teach people uh, analytics and data science, because he's, he's been doing that hands-on. Superb. Anyone else that comes to mind? Not, not at this moment. I think those are two pretty good leads. Uh, there's a guy actually that we worked with. Uh, his name was uh, Avinash Deshpande. Okay. And he's, I believe, with Logitech. And he did some nice work for IDT as a consultant, kind of building these, these, these virtual 
data layers to help connect our different uh, data sources. So he's on the architecture side of things, yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing sharing that. Of course. So let's see if we can if we can do the the next one together, right? Uh, uh, and, and the reason why we, we do this next one is because you just don't know how and why things would go viral, right? And so we always ask people if they were to condense their podcast into a hashtag, what would their hashtag be? So Charles, what would your hashtag be? Find someone to dance with. <laughs> or dancing partners, huh? Sure. Sure. I like cool. find someone to dance with because maybe... Or, or dance with those who want to dance with you. Something like that. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll go with both of them and see which one does better. Okay. Cool. So, Charles, thank you so much. And when we push this out live, there are going to be people from around the world that will want to connect with you. What would be the best way for them to connect with you? A LinkedIn profile, Charles Thibault, IDT. Probably find me that way on LinkedIn. They can, they can message me or, or just uh, ask to connect and mention the podcast. Perfect. Well, we'll def definitely do that. So Charles, once again, thank you for joining us on the show. And I had not thought of analytics as demand side versus supply side. So I definitely took that away myself. And I hope our, our, our guests do the same thing too. So thanks again. And Ash, it's uh, been great. Thank day. you. Thank you for the opportunity. Happy holidays. Hope you enjoy your time off. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.